Gentlemen, to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but Carol's smile is always amazing. <laughs> I'm moderator B Jones, and I'm happy to be back on the show. I got my guys, B Brian Jones, at the bottom. What's happening, bro? Everything's good, baby. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. You did a great job last week, man. I appreciate. Hi, bro. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. I stepped out the comfort zone, and we right back in the in the. I'm back in the shadows this week, man. <laughs> hell no, <nah>, hell no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Mutt Lee, what's going on, bro? What it do? What it do? How's everybody? I'm good. good. You should be good, man. You was playing a real good chili the last week too, man. Hey, had a towel. I was ready to go. All right, we're gonna have to throw you in that fire, man. Well. I said we're gonna have to throw you in that fire and get you a word and see what you come up with as well. Uh, I don't know about that. Straight Aunt Lee with it. Straight Aunt Lee with it. what's going on, sir? Uh, happy man. Happy to be here. I'm happy to make it. I, I love being on the show. So uh, this is great. Why are you so happy? You know what? It's just, just cool to be here, man. It's just like your, your day's not going well or things are going whatever it may be. I look forward to like this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we spoke about this a while ago, just the, the therapy of being here. So it's just cool to just be able to, to share, chit-chatter, talk about nothing before the show starts and then dig into serious topics. And we'll probably chit-chatter more when it's over. And it's just cool. Like I just, I look forward to this weekly. When I can't be on here, I'm pretty upset and sad. Um, so I, I adamantly listen to it and make my notes and make t-shirts, <laughs> listening, wishing I was there. So yeah, the t-shirt game is gonna be amazing, man. Make sure you want to look out for those. Once we get them on and popping, Faison is leading that charge, yes. and I can't wait to see what we come up with. Coach K, what's happening, man? You and your just water over there? What's going on? You look cold. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when we started the podcast, not the podcast, but when he got on the call, I'm like, why the hell Carol got on a hat in the house? Then I remembered it's negative 40 outside. So, right. The cold. He just bundled up. I saw you grab it like I might be here for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's not that bad. But, um, <laughs> nah, man, it all depends on what side of the house you're on. Like, if you're on the yeah. front side of the house, that's where the wind is hitting mm-hmm. and making it through. So I actually went through and taped all the cracks in the seals of the windows earlier today. Smart. Real smart. I don't want no parts of that, bro. I just what's came in. Like what's the temp? Not the wind chill. What's the temperature? Uh, the temperature right now should be negative 21. Damn. That's just Sorry. That's not human. And in, Bless your heart. Any city, uh, it's, it's actually negative seventeen. We got we got some more to go. Uh, and there's people working outside. Bro, no, man, no. most of the stuff is shut down. Like, no, no, no. I mean, there is somebody working. There so, can't oh, be anybody out there because what is what is it? They give you three minutes before you get frostbite down there or up there. Yeah, yeah they're saying it's gonna take as, as little as three minutes. Yeah. Somebody working. Now there's people out working in Maryland. It's negative seven, so we can't really compete. But I just left from outside, and man, I was out there for thirty seconds, and I'm like, I got the shakes. Like, I can't, I can't make it. <laughs> negative. You know, in Maryland, when it goes that low, everybody freaks out. Yeah, man, schools closing or opening two hours late, and I'm like, wow, no, it's too much okay. salt in the road. Like, what? They got we- a cold weather closing back home. I'm like, autumn years, we had to trudge through <laughs> snow and ice to get to school, and right. they, these little kids now they get cold weather. 
like I'm a parent now. I get it. Like I wouldn't want, I want the option. Or they they made us just make us trick through ice storms. <laughs> yeah, but but here's the thing though. Nobody was worried about getting sued back then. Yeah, everybody's worried about getting sued now. So yeah, tough enough. That's true. But like uh, somebody somebody's mayor or governor or somebody called out and said that Americans have just become so soft. They're not they're not tough anymore. Um, they had a whole news story on the uh, Super Bowl talking about Atlanta getting two inches of snow. They're gonna worry about how folks gonna be getting to the stadium or something. Wow! Everybody I know from Atlanta was posting how they they hoped the snow and the black ice would continue the weekend so the outsiders wouldn't come in. Right, but the problem is that people from the outside of Atlanta are okay with it. It's people who right. live in Atlanta. <laughs> they going there for a vacation. If I'm going from Chicago, I'm going to Atlanta. It's only two exactly. inches snow. <laughs> it's like twelve degrees down there. Exactly, exactly. I don't know. It's it's just it's just crazy that um that we've gotten here. I mean, our clothing is better than before. We we are the materials are better. Then back in the day, you don't have to wear the whole snowsuit when you can't move your arms. So but you can't tell me. You can't tell me. Uh, ten degree now feels the same way it did when you were little. No, it's true, but it, it feels totally different time. now. I don't know what they going on. At the same time, I I can go out and I, I'll go out now in a sweatshirt and and sweatpants and I'm fine. My mom was like, "Oh, it's so cold," and my and, and Namdi is like, "I'm cool." So like, it depends on the environment. Like, I don't need to have a big jacket. If I have the unicorn shirt under it with this on, it's like I'm, I get hot fast. So, mm-hmm. but I've always run warm. So no, I got lucky in that mindset. I guess I guess it's lucky up here. It's not when you're in Florida. <laughs> you're running warm in Florida is a problem. Yeah, my body done adjusted down here, man. It hit <laughs> 48 the other night here. And I'm, I'm walking outside like, God, I can't go back up north no more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how it was when I was down there. When I came back up, I all of a sudden was cold. Like before I went down, I can go outside and it would be good. Now I feel it. I don't so think I'll be cold that- ever again. It's, it's, it's a good point that we have is because now you know with the, the cold weather and everybody being you know being able to stay in the house and enjoy themselves. I'm hoping people have a chance to to, to watch some Netflix and watch some cool shows on there. And I, I want to bring up one that I think is important that, or important to us is kind of the uh, the new Killer Mike special. Um, you know the six episode or seven episodes I believe of going through his uh his chronicles. I would say. <laughs> I don't know how the best way to say it, but I think a chronicle um, that kind of explains different topics. But the first one kind of stood out to me before it went down. The before it went down the magic rabbit hole of Killer Mike's brain, of the first one really pulled in, you know, how hard it was to to buy black um, in the area he was in. So uh, short synopsis on the episode, and we can start talking about that. Um, we kind of did it before. We talked about buying black before, but he actually was in the area on a before a concert and had to figure out three days before the concert, he was only going to buy black. He was only going to eat black. He was only going to you know, get in a black car, not like a black car, like actually like a black owned company who owns the car to take him to the concert. Right. Uh, you know, so he, he struggled for all three days trying to find food to eat. He couldn't get food. He couldn't find a hotel, black owned. Um, but during this process, he really, you know, talk about like this cool thing called the Green Book that used to be used way back in the day um, that uh, black families would use when they're traveling across the U.S. and mm-hmm. it you all the black-owned places. And they were, it was a safe zone. Places. It was the places that were safe, right? Yeah. But they were all black-owned. So um, 
and I, I'll open it up to everyone to talk about this process and see where you are with it. Um, and there's many apps out there. I, I think I tried to do it in DC when I was in Maryland, maybe four years ago, I tried to do the black owned and you know, around the way app, try to find black owned stuff. But uh, it's really hard to do it nowadays because uh, the saying is in segregation, it was easier because there was no choice, but it also allowed money to stay inside the community, which made it stronger. Now that we're not segregated and the money is no, the money in our pockets have are so fast, so fast to go away versus other uh, races or other communities where it kind of stays in the circle for a while and then goes out. We don't have anything that we own. We spend like crazy, but we don't, we don't have anything to own it. So it's kind of like, where is the concern? Are we, are we not managing things around us? We, we sell, 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 I'm sorry, buy, 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 but we don't sell and manage. So I give it to you guys to say, where, what do you guys think about this process? And have you thought about trying to just buy black or, or you know, promote black or promote supporting that kind of environment? That's a multifaceted question. With, yes. with many answers. Yes. So the one the one thing I didn't know is that um so I, I heard people talking about it. I haven't watched the the Killer Mike special yet, but when you talk about the Green Book, did this spar spar because of the movie that it just dropped, which I do want to go see Green Book the movie. Um if you guys haven't seen or read about that yet, it's supposed to be a really good um flick out there. Um but it deals with just that. Bagley is a black um musician and the guy who's driving around is white, like driving from gig to gig, city to city is, is white, but it's supposed to go through using the green book as the, the guide of where they can go and how they operate and maneuver in and out. So kind of flip of who's normally driving who or back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I was wondering where this whole idea of green book, because I haven't heard people, I've heard about it years ago, but I've never heard anybody in the last 10 years talk about that. Um, but this is interesting when you just get back to your, your initial question though. Um, so when you go back to segregation of black communities and it was easier to keep dollars within the communities at that point in time, um, mm -hmm. again, you had small businesses there, mm -hmm. um, but it kind of seemed if you really trace back to those individual communities as those barriers were taken down and people started moving out and start, people started being out allowed to go other places and spend your money because they want you to come spend your money they may not want you there long term right. come spend your dollar right people felt the uh, the need to buy somewhere else to make to feel a sense of status right mm -hmm. or at the same time though you look at the community itself and then to get the loans to open businesses to do that was uh, another there was another barriers there mm -hmm. it it wasn't available to blacks at that point in time because we didn't have the savings. We didn't have the wealth, generational wealth passed down from generation. We didn't have businesses to pass down to pass down. You got your barber shops. You may have a couple corner stores here and there, um, but you didn't have the real opportunities um, that people have now, nowadays and actually expanding those opportunities. I'm glad you brought up corner stores because, because that's the one thing I think that that's missing and almost any predominantly black neighborhood. Um, most of those corner stores are not owned by people who live there. Not anymore, no. Yeah, and, and it's, it's crazy because at one point they were, then they either ran out of business or they weren't run properly, never had the product in the store or whatever it may be. But then someone else came in and it probably started off with Asian and now it's probably, now it's you no know, uh, Hispanic because we bought it from them and it, Indian bought it from them and they passed it down. But at no point has it been passed back to people who are in that community. 
which is like kind of, I don't know, not, not sad, but like kind of frustrating because it's like, well, why you all live here, you're giving them the money, literally every day you go there, you buy your small things. Why are you not, why has no one tried to purchase their product from them or open up another store? Because across the street, there's definitely an abandoned house there with a corner lot, you can actually turn into a small corner store and grow from there. So. Yeah, I think it's the pride in the community. So it was more, you're gonna get out and go away mm. instead of staying here to build. So I'm gonna send you away for education. I want you to do better. So because I want you to do better, I'm going to encourage you to leave. Mm -hmm. So like all that intellectual resource, all that drive, all that business power <clears throat> was basically forced out of inner city community by that generation of them to know you need to do better than I do because they didn't feel like staying there was like the best thing for you and growing up in this community for whatever reason, schools, economics, whatever those thoughts were just trying to push all of that out um and then the thought process of coming back come back like housing is different crime is different just the environment looks different so you don't really have that pride to say all right well i'm going to stay and i'm going to rebuild it by opening up a corner store because now i got to hustle versus me having some type of degree going away making a whole lot of money and then coming back and doing real estate or doing that. It's kind of a, I'm a fly in instead of being in. Um, this is my thought. This is how, how it will play out. So what I would say is we've, we've talked about bits and pieces of this um, last year. And there's a few things it's difficult to do because segregation or desegregation rather some people say look it was not about okay we finally embraced uh martin luther king's dream and we want to be equal no it was about the money mm -hmm. because they realized that that dollar was so strong in our community because we only spent it amongst each other so think about it think about how many different uh stores the white community had to go to, so their money was spread out. Whereas ours was very, it was one or two people that may have had a business in each little town, right? That could give you what you needed. So if you need to close, you were probably going to one place. If you needed shoes, you were probably going to one place. So that person as compared to that white business owner was killing it because you're the only option. So that, spending money had to be broken up and it was introduced into the general population, which in, in killer Mike's thing, what's it called? Trigger, trigger warning. Trigger warning. Mm -hmm. um, he says our dollar stays in our community six hours. Insane. And it's true. As soon six, as you get paid, it's six hours. So, but the infrastructure is not there now for us to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because even if you go find a black owned business, where are they getting their products from? Yeah. Right. There's not a whole lot of black businesses that are into manufacturing at this point. And you got to go all the way to manufacturing and having the infrastructure set up for us to even do something like that. But even the social stigma is going to say that that's being aggressive. You're being militant. Right. Trying to separate yourself. They start associating you with black Panther and all type of craziness. Right. Yeah, and then, and then go ahead. No, you you hit it. Mindset. We've developed such a, a consumer 
mindset at this point that we don't look for those opportunities to buy that con- that what we could turn to that corner store and it does take us coming back into the community funny so my class right now <clears throat> i just read this essay about a gentleman talking about this about not necessarily about black people but just people in general because of the suburbs so much has been pulled from the cities so you don't have the resources going to keep cities up keep cities attractive attract people to being there like you know parks um, just public resources because of suburbia. And because we've done that now, you don't have the people that now care about what your downtown looks like, right? Or what um, the, the, the main library looks like. Nobody cares because nobody's there. Right. Whereas before, every uh, city was where everybody went to mingle with each other, that's where they that's where they lived. You had housing available for all forms of um, economic success, uh, socioeconomic status. Yeah, we had our own area, but we were all mixed together. So if you had a lot of money, guess what? You probably just lived down the street from me. I still got to see what money looks like. Mm-hmm. I pass you every day, hear you talking. We probably get our hair cut the same place. I hear you talking about how you got this money. I learn from you. We don't have that now. Yeah. We don't have it. And I'm just jumping in the middle because I'm trying to catch to where the conversation is. But um, it's such a multifaceted, multi-layered situation. I think somebody hit on it. It might have been you, Art, about the reason, you know, why we don't own those corner stores and things within our communities. And somebody said it where the values are basically lost somewhere along because we had it at one point in time Mm -hmm. and we all know about the issues and things that plagued our community from a systemic level that changed the direction of our trajectory and even within that we got lost i think as killer mike pointed out during the the show we lost it and it's been tremendously more challenging to find our way back into that i was having a conversation and hopefully I have the opportunity to continue this conversation with the president of Morgan State just this evening. And he asked me a question about what I feel about the city of Baltimore. And I think it, it's probably the same in a lot of our urban communities or our urban cities where there is a good amount of uh, potential. But the problem at the root is the infrastructure. And I didn't get a opportunity to expound on it so much because it was an event. It was a lot of people going on and somebody cut across me in the conversation. Um, and, but when I say infrastructure, I don't mean like buildings and things. I mean like civil infrastructure, mm-hmm. the, the components that you need at a base level to even have people see the opportunity that is afforded in front of them. And you're right. We grew up in these neighborhoods our parents who raised us in these neighborhoods are trying to get us as far away as possible because they want us to have better opportunities. So we move to suburbia. We go to college at Ox, uh, not Oxford, at Harvard or Princeton or in uh, um, a prestigious HBCU or the University of Miami to get away from some of those things. But we're, I don't think very often we are coming back and taking advantage of opportunities within the community and it's not that I think that there, is a, there isn't a want to do so, but I don't think that the, I guess, the, the situation is prime for it. 
uh, one of the things that a mentor of ours has told us before is, you know, you can try to save the world, but if the people that or, or the people, but if the people you're trying to save don't want it, how effective are you going to be? So that's where I speak to like those underlying issues and that 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 civic infrastructure that's not in, that's not set in stone that we have to continue to work to set in stone to see that progress be made so we can take advantage of the opportunities and the potential that we have within our urban communities, our black communities to start creating that infrastructure. But and even I, for that, I, like, yeah. I'm gonna say, but even that, like, I think about where I grew up, like the places where I would even want, if I had the means, in order to reinvest and kind of recreate the environment and the business and everything that was there, it's gone. Like it got demolished. It's a lot, parking lot, or it's yeah. like there's nothing that's there within there. Houses that you would want to do real estate and rehab are gone. Like they became some other type of either a larger structure or a new school. So the city planning has gotten to a point where those resources that were there, you can say, I remember when that used to be, is now a park or it's a, just an empty lot. It's not even an opportunity for you to do anything. But my, my thing is that, and, and I guess we'll let Kay go and we'll wrap up and we'll let you know, our moderator continue the process. But I think at this point, and we mentioned it earlier that the infrastructure isn't there for us to start and we have to make sure that we, we can't manufacture yet. We can't, we can't go to the higher levels. But I do believe that only that first step. So if, if it's the grocery store that's in the area, and yes, you may not buy from Black right now, or, or owning the clothing store, or owning the the VIMs, and owning those those random things that are around you, or the or the Popeyes, their franchisees that are around the area, owning those, and then if there's a bunch of them being owned, now you have the resources to say, okay, now I'm gonna figure out how to get into the next level up. So how can I become, you know? Let me stop you right there. All right? How do we get to the point where we're owning those? It's just, it's just going, it's getting together. It's getting together and, and adjusting your money from being fashionable or going out spending thousands, thousands of dollars on, on, on stuff that's materialistic and saying, how can I make, make this money make money for me and my family? But I want to keep it here so it circles around. So, so how do you get somebody that is in survival mode mm -hmm. to adjust? Because that's the root of the issue. I think everything that you're saying is the, is the, is the exact answer. Problem is that we got to, start thinking that way and it's a <clears throat> uphill battle to even get that type of uh, mindset into individuals but i think survival isn't because yes now, now there's two extremes there are the people who are actually like working at a low-paying job and are trying to do things and and are living on just living that's a different mindset that's trying to get out of that process and growing yourself then there are the people who who have money who have just living but are also spending it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. you know, the mindset is that, oh, I have to be fashionable. I have to dress this way. I have to do this. I got to go out clubbing and spend all this money on this. That mindset, that person mm -hmm. can change the person who is really struggling. They can give them a job and say, I'm going to make you, I can work with you to help you become a manager in the position and it works forward. So you're handing forward, you're handing up to hand back down. So both hands are out. You're going both ways. You're helping out the person below you while you're trying to grab and grow more on the top side. And I think that's where it is. So it's, it's not going to be the person at the bottom that has to make a change. It's the person in the middle that connects top and bottom together. And that's where we got to focus. I got a question, though. And look, this, this could be a podcast all on its own. 
um, because there's so much complexity to it and there's so many layers to it. But is that what we even want, though? Is what what we even want? Do do we want to go back to creating these strong these community strongholds, basically, of where it's our community, um, and that's where most of us live? No. Because, because 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 the flaw the flaw in that concept is that's what they had and it was very easy to take out those mm-hmm. communities yeah right with targeted with targeted attacks yeah. so granted you, you you can't target it that way now but they could easily put things in place like licensing like what's it going to take for you to get a license <laughs> um exactly <laughs> um taxes you know there's so many different things so if you don't control the lawmaking portion of it you're going to get into some some challenges as well but i really wanted to say for this particular country that we live in right is that the best thing because if we have to uh retreat right and go back into our predominantly us areas and they don't get to see the best and the brightest of us to understand that we are all equal and capable. Is that the best thing for the country? Because I don't think they will ever be a, a all inclusive change across the board. If we just go back to where we only see the best and the brightest of each other. No, you're right. You're completely right. And, and that wouldn't be a complete withdrawal from society. Wouldn't be the answer. Um, but I do believe that you have to be able, you have to have a stronghold on what you see and who you are around you in order to to include yourself in that conversation in other areas. So yeah, you might have someone who's someone's uncle who may own a property or own um, a store, kind of something inside of a neighborhood that makes them say, "Hey, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to buy and own something that's going to be in a different state now." So they're including themselves across, and now you see the buying power adjust versus it being just one neighborhood. But if, if these neighborhoods sparked up around the country and it just started going, and you're, you ingrain yourself inside these things, because we no, no longer living in just all black communities, but if you open up a shop in Brooklyn, for instance, and I open up a shop again in, in, in South South Chicago, and then we open up a shop in Fort Lauderdale, it's not primarily black neighborhoods, but there are people black there who can go, hey, I have an option now of going to this place. I can go out there and support them, but still live in my mixed neighborhood to have that. So then you build the power inside of it. So it's just, it's just giving the awareness that, hey, you don't have to always be a consumer. You can be a, you can be a producer. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a mixture of creating produ- uh, producers um, and us subscribing to it, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to going to... XYZ restaurant. No, I'm going into Liberty City to go eat at a restaurant that they have there yeah. and spend my money there. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you, you can, it's almost like you're sending the money back into the community. Exactly. Okay, now, now let's circulate it. Exactly. exactly. And it's still, but there's still a couple I guess, stigmas associated with that process. I'm, I'm not disagreeing, but I, I think one of the biggest things that we've all hit on already was that a lot of our families and things like that, as they push you out to new experiences, uh, quote unquote, a better opportunity, it was like, well, you can come back to visit, but coming back to stay, that's not really, that's not nothing you should be thriving for, right? Striving for. Um, 
So if I had that restaurant in there, so one of the things that, and I tell people all the time, I'm a big proponent of, of going into Liberty City and Overtown and, and whatever I spend, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend at the local corner store, the gas station, the restaurant right there when I'm there. Um, I'm in those two communities, probably 50, 60% of my time, I'm out in the schools with the school load that I have. Um, and I stop in and people look at me like I'm crazy, but people are scared to go into those neighborhoods and walk around and get out and talk to people. And I just find that crazy. I mean, I'm not from here. I'm not stupid at the same time. I'm not going to go that riding down 17th on 81st, 17th to 81st, right down the street from Liberty City Elementary where I was teaching that. Like, we never had no issues at the school. We walked to communities on the weekends after school. But I'm not going to go out there at 11, 12 o'clock at night. I'm not dumb, right? But to patron a business during the day, I'll walk down the street. I used to leave school and walk down the street to the local corner store that also sold like ribs and chicken and stuff like that and fish on, on, uh, during the school day to get my lunch. Or I'll walk down the store, just walk the community for a minute and in between school so people know your face and know who you are and that you're here supporting the community. You're not just a drive-by um, that's going to come through and just like play the part. Oh, I, I work in Liberty City. I'm big and bad. That's, that's not the case. Like get out to the people and know the people, get to, get to thrive with them. But the other thing with that too is that I see, one of the things I, I see often is, I hear people always talk about going back and starting businesses and doing that, great. But then I take a look at, but you started been there, but you don't even live there. So you're talking this, but would you live there as well? Would you bring your family back and live there too? And, and that's not, I guess for everybody, but the majority I can think of, like they still live out in the suburbs. They live in a different neighborhood. They don't live in that. They may own something. They bring it back, and all credit is due to them for that. I applaud them for that. I know. I think we know some individuals. We can name some individuals right now that that are doing that. But when I look at the ones I know, they still live and their families live outside of those neighborhoods. But they're supporting yeah. the neighborhoods through bringing business back and bringing opportunity back, which I applaud. Yeah, I mean, the labor funds, I mean, they're giving jobs back to the area, and then hopefully that job brings that kid to go to college or wherever they would do and can fund their life, future goal, and it's a cycle. So it helps you get out, but then they say, oh, you know what? They, they, this person did this, they brought me back, so let me, maybe I'll buy, I'll buy this kind of business, and then now I'll support the neighborhood. But I may still live in Coral Gables, for instance, but I, I'm buying and supporting here so that the money stays or I can employ people in this area so they don't have to worry about doing sketchy things. And can grow. And right. back to this, back to your thing before, Kara. I know you're going to probably wrap this up for us. But um, the news, the reason why people think the things and, and are scarce from areas. They watch the first 48, first of all. Right. So most times it's not because of, of what they see out of their eyes, it's what they see through TV that's saying that it's worse than what it is. So there are pockets, but most of the time, um, and this is also on one of Killer Mike's episodes, we're going to tell later on. But the perception of, oh, well, the news says this is bad. So, you know, it's bad. Black people cause crime. Well, what about in Kansas where there's 1% black? There's still mass murders and bank robberies. Oh, well, no, the black person. It, yeah, but we're, not, but we're, not, we're not trying to gentrify those areas. Right, exactly. But that's, that's the mindset of that is, is that, oh, well, these areas are, the news says it's bad. So it's got to be, be even worse than what the news says. The news gives us the best, the highlights of it. It's not. Look, we got to we got to realize, and again, built into the infrastructure, uh-huh. we're running out of places to buy and develop real estate mm-hmm. of, of cheap places, I should say. Mm-hmm. 
So where, where are the cheap places now? They're in the hood. So yeah. nobody wants us to go back and buy that stuff because <laughs> we're going to build businesses, hopefully, that will cater to the community and reinvest in the community. But they don't want that. They want, nope, let's go out here, buy up all this stuff, start pushing these people out. I mean, they relocated a bunch of people from Baltimore to, um, uh, what is it, Brett? It's close to you. You got Columbia, you got... No, not Columbia. Um, Elk Ridge, Ellicott City. No, it's a predominantly black area. PG County? Yeah, PG County. Um, yeah, so either Bowie or... Um, Bowie. Yeah, there you go. They were giving people money to leave from Baltimore and go to Bowie. Crazy. And th- that type of stuff is happening <laughs> yeah. everywhere. everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right now here in Miami. I mean, you can go... Um, if you if you follow, follow what's been going on from the Wynwood District all the way coming yep. on up, going on into uh, yep. um, Little Haiti and El Patel. Like I was at a school the beginning of this year, and the the population of school has just dropped. And I'm trying to figure out like, well, what, I mean, I'm talking about drop. I'm talking about like twenty, thirty kids. I'm like down like two hundred kids in the last two to three years. Um, and so I'm asking like inquiring like what's going on, and it so like you said, property developers are coming in. And offering offering the families now fifty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars above the list price, and family families are taking the money and running and leaving. Yep. And then and now, but then now they're going to flip the property and sell it for two hundred thousand dollars over the list price or whatever was currently there. So it's that whole thing. process of that buying cheap, getting rid of whoever they don't want, and then flipping. Yeah, that's one of the larger hospitals here in, in Cleveland. They uh, won't name any names, but it's right. Literally, I mean, you go across the street, and it's in one of the probably 98, 97% black. And you come on one side, and they literally start buying up block by block to where they expanded from a two-block footprint to almost 15, 16 blocks. And they've got sheiks and everybody coming from all over the world coming to get medical care. When across the street, they got kids riding bikes, taking shots at folks just because they're trying to get into gangs at the age of 13 and 14. Right. I mean, I mean, to Brett's point about, you know, what I think it happened, I think it has to be a group of people. I don't think one person or one family can go into these urban communities and buy a house and think they're going to change anything. Mm-hmm. It's got to be like five or six, 10 or 12, all agreeing together that we're going to come and buy everything on this street. And all of we're gonna live here. We're gonna grow up. We're gonna we're gonna stick together and show everything outside that we're not going to accept all the negative images that are of our community. I grew up here. I know your mother. I know your auntie. I remember you. Mm-hmm. We're gonna start beautifying our community from the inside out. And if that doesn't happen, one person can come in, but eventually it's so much that's going on. It's been so many years for it to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for you just to change. No, if, no, if one person comes in, look, man, you come in, they see that you bought this, well, then somebody intentionally goes and buys the building on either side of you to block you so that you can't yeah. continue to grow it. And then they just, there's methods. There's so many. We could go on and on right. talking about this. So, man, you know what, moderator, let's let's transition, man. Let's, you You were missing last week. Um, and, uh, man, we missed you. I don't know if you heard, we, we gave you a shout out. Um, so we wanted to talk about the reason why, why you were missing, man. Yeah, man. Um, I definitely got the shout out, man. I appreciate you guys and Jay as well. Who's not with us. Um, y'all spoke about it last week. I, uh, my grandfather passed away. So that's why I was out. 
um, uh, one of the main reasons I was out. I did get to stop in South Florida and spend some time with the brothers um, and, and welcome the 2018 initiates into the fraternity at their probate and everything. But the major reason or what became the major reason was me going down to celebrate the life of my grandfather. Um, and I will say as hard as that process was in the beginning, and I shared that with you all, um, one of the things that actually helped me get through it were those conversations. Um, and I had literally no idea how to have those conversations. I remember BJ texting me a few times, just checking on me or whatnot. And it was kind of weird because I would just start talking, like rambling or whatever. And I don't even know if BJ thought it was, but I, I would find myself expressing so much stuff and just trying to get it out. And uh, I mean, one of the main reasons was when I found out that he passed on that Monday, the 14th, there was literally no time to process that loss up until the 18th, um, or there was time. I just didn't take it because there were so many other important things to get done, um, whether it be family related, work related, or other ventures related. Um, and so, so much to the point that there were a few days in there that were definite struggles for me, but it was like, I struggled for a few minutes. All right, got that out. Boom, let's get to the next thing. It wasn't really until I got to Florida, well, got to St. Petersburg that Saturday morning at about 1130 when I looked at him in the casket and it really started to like hit home for me or whatever. And then up until the point where I got the opportunity to stand up, express my love and gratitude for having him as my grandfather, um, the experiences or some of my fonder memories did that healing process, I be, I feel like really began. Mm. Um, and it's crazy because this was pro this was the first loss or first super close loss that I've had to deal with outside of my uncle, but that was in 2011. And so not ever having gone through this, but watching Carol go through it and Mike, you know, all of you go through it with your close friends, you see it and you're thinking, okay, I know what to do. I know what to say. I can, I can empathize a little bit, but until I actually went through it, did I actually see how hard and how selfish you, you really got to be at that point. You got to take care of yourself. Um, and that's the biggest thing that I learned through this is to, to really make sure that even through that time, you take the time to process and do whatever it is, whether it's a day, a week or whatever. For me, it was a couple of days. And even after I got back, conversations that I had with Carol, random that helped me get to the point where I am now where I don't really tear up you know what I'm saying I don't feel the weight of that loss anymore I actually am, am fine I got my memorabilia or things that are gonna you know I'm gonna hold on dear to but I have those memories as well in my head and um you know just knowing that you know he fought the good fight fighting cancer and everything but he went out on his own terms and you know finding out through the story of what actually happened and how he kind of skipped the doctor's appointment, which is something that we are like, well, why would he do that? Why would he do that? That's us being selfish and trying to keep him here. Whereas he is, he's good with it. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I, I did my time here. I, I've gone through my treatments. I'm just ready to, you know, move on beyond this life. So um, that was really it, man. I'm really grateful for you guys. I think Art said it at the beginning of the podcast, and that's kind of how we're going to start this thing. But that, this, this group, 
you know, these moments before, during, and after is, is super therapeutic, man. And I don't know how uh, I would have handled that situation if, if I didn't have you guys or didn't have those opportunities to really express, you know, that, I guess, that, that, that feelings, that loss. Yeah. You know what, man? Um, there'll be moments where, where that moment, where it will sneak back up on you. Um, and you'll remember something, um, that he had mentioned to you that might be applicable to a situation. And you you said it best. We get selfish when things like this happen because we wanted that person to be around. And the crazy thing is, is that, um, anytime somebody dies, you start to learn, more things about them that you didn't know that you wish you had known when they were still alive. And it's always the best parts of them that's causing us to grieve um, that are gone. And that's why it's so important that we continue to push each other. And, you know, again, happy for this group because this group tries to push each person to be the best version of themselves. Right. And, and, and to put everything out there now, don't, don't, I said it a couple of weeks ago again, don't be that field of dreams where you have that, that best part of you that nobody ever got to see. People only got to see glimpses. And when you only have the glimpse, then you don't know, like how could you have impacted the world if you'd have put everything out there? Absolutely, man. I think that's the, that's one of the things that I'm most grateful for is that I wasn't surprised by some of the things that I heard. I did have opportunities while he was here to get to know him, you know, from how he was as an adolescent to a young adult and the pool hall days and just being thankful for the small lessons and cars and things that he got. So it's really important, man, to take that time, you know, for the ones that mean the most to you and and spend it with them. Um, You know, I'm really, really glad that even my son, although he might not remember too much of him, you know, got to to see him, and he he was a great grandfather when he passed. Um, so yeah, that that time, man. You know, so you don't find yourself wishing or wanting or like, dang, I wish I could I could have done this. Like I I didn't after I processed a little bit, didn't have those feelings that just hanging and harboring over my head. It'll be amazing for you to kind of see as you start to get older how the mannerisms and the language and whatever expressions that he used, how you start to adopt them. And then even as like Nia and everybody gets older and they start to have kids, like you'll start to become your grandfather, which is, <laughs> it, it, it'd be kind of cool because you'll say something you'll be like, whoa, and it'll just kind of click. But then it's almost like you can feel kind of him just kind of looking and still being involved in your thought processes and everything that goes on in your life. Like they never die. You just don't see them anymore. That's it. But, the thoughts that you have, the kind, everything is still, it's still, it always be there. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's just some things that you'll see. So like, even like me, like my dad always comes to me in sticks. So whenever I think about it, it'd be, and it's usually about the size of a yardstick. Um, <laughs> it's kind of whenever you see about it, just out of nowhere, you'll see, like, all right, yeah, I got it. And it'll be the same for you. It'll be something that you had that was only between the two of you. That all of a sudden you'll just notice it. You're in the grocery store, driving, or whatever. Just give you peaceful for you. It's cool. Right, right, right. Uh, Faison, we didn't forget you, man. How's pops, man? You know you oh, are. Oh yeah, no, no, he's 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 good. He um he he's mobile. He's going to see specialists every day to make sure that everything's checking out well. Only thing he has wrong is um 
I'm not wrong, but he has to do a, a bruised knee, so he's wearing a brace. But he's a fighter. He's 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 good to go. He's getting checked out. Not afraid of going to the doctor. Uh, so he's he's there and he's good. Only nice. thing he's mad is that his car. He he got his um 2000, 2000 I think fourteen Tacoma, and he was down to the last two payments. So that's make- how it works. That's how it works. So he's like, ah, I mean, the insurance is going to pay him, pay him back, give him a chunk, but it's not going to be enough. He has to get into a new, new payment for new car. So he's like, he's retired. So he was like, just looking forward to that, that to you for just life. And he's like, ah, oh, so close. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm safe, but I was so close to <laughs> car payments. Uh, so you know, it's all good. Wow. The uh, the police department and is taking care of him, so they're all good to go. And it was good to be. Good to be blue that day because they already made sure that he got to the hospital quick and uh, he took care of him. So it was pretty cool to see um, to see that side of the system uh, work well for their own. Um, especially because he had his badge on him. So when they saw his badge, they were immediately like, oh, get out the way. Take him to the hospital. Let's go, 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 go. So it was, was kind of cool. They told me a story behind that and how he was like, I'm happy I had it on me that day. Because he was wearing it all the time, but he happened to have it in a seat with him that day. So, his badge? Yeah. Because he was a retired sergeant. So he's... Um, He's done, but he still has his badge with him. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got blue in the family. <laughs> hmm. Okay. This is going to be interesting. North Jersey, North Jersey right? right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I'm seeing these, these sneaking who, who's sneaking <laughs> into the podcast around here, man. I know it's, it's about that time for us to get to the corner, but... Uh, I, I, I got to open the book one page at a time, baby. I can't give you the whole book. It might blow your mind. Right, right, right. Who, who is this down here, man? Who is this? That looks like fresh in the nosebleed sections of, of, of the uh, in the car now. American I Airlines see, Arena. I see the UM dice floating in the windows. Oh, you yeah. Yep. You see dice? Oh, yeah. You can't, I can see that. Part it's because we know what's in his car. Yeah. I yeah. Say, we can't see anything. Oh, what All, I see All I see is a blue dot and it looks like oh, I the see him. Like the I see him. The it's oh, above man. the blue dot. Swing yeah. <laughs> Y'all have some great visions to see those. Uh, Bro, I don't see nothing. I don't know what they on. <laughs> I don't know what they on, but I need that. Great. Look like hey, that's why I got to eat, baby. <laughs> Live and direct from the south side. You got to see him now? Yeah. You got see him now. <laughs> Are the dice black? Yeah. No. Green, one's baby. orange and one's green. Orange and green, oh. baby. Oh, okay, okay. UM dice. Makes sense. Fresh, what's good, bro? You decided to drop in. What's happening? You know, I had to come and say what's up to the people. You know, America, I ain't been been back in a minute since uh, the New Year. So, you know, I had to jump in, even though we was in the nosebleed, literally in the... In you the never know what you're going to get on the 13th floor, baby. Really? You never know <laughs> what will happen. came dropping in, America, what's happening? Well, there it is. We're we about done here. So, you know, thank you for listening. I'm just playing. Hey, you know, I just wanted to come in and, and check Arch Corner, dog. Oh, there it is, right on time. All right, what you got for my man Fresh in the Right on time. All right, well, perfect. This is um. So this week we're gonna put a little uh, a little something in your mind. So talking about thermostats. So when you're you're at home and since it's cold, uh, your thermostat your thermostat only works where you set it at. So you walk in your house, your thermostat set seventy two, you get seventy two. Wherever you set it at, you get it to seventy four, sixty eight, whatever it is. It sets that number, it hits it, it turns off. What's your internal thermostat in your life? Are you setting it to where you're comfortable or are you pushing it to the next level? So if you want to get the degree, you want to get that level, you set it there and you're done. But if you want to push it higher, make sure that thermostat keeps moving because you've got to move the needle daily. 
Whenever you get yourself set, you're going to set it and forget it. You can't. You got to move forward and keep the thermostat raising. Mm. Well, and... you get hot in the summer, though, bro. That's all right. Mike, you need a towel. Towel to ring the bell on that one. <laughs> right? That was good. You should have had our right, last week, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm listening and learning. I'm a student. Easy. You got inspired by Jane Carroll in this thing. That was really? up, man. That was good, bro. That was good. Don't art in the cipher. <laughs> nah, man. I'm coming at you one of these weeks, though. You just, you know, be ready. All right. Who, <laughs> me? Yeah, you. Uh. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening, man. Make sure y'all subscribe to the podcast. You know you can get us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Catch our videos on YouTube and Vimeo. Follow us on all social media platforms at 13th Floor, please, so you can stay connected with us and see what we got going on. And be on the lookout for these snazzy T-shirts Faison is going to put out there for us. Coach K, man. We we got a fresh and biz, too, yo. Oh, my bad, man. Look at me. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I'm going to drop in. Fresh and biz from the car. So, exactly. Live and direct from the car. Um, Fresh and biz this week is dedicated to the details. Today, I found myself in a situation where I was offered tickets to the fantastic Miami <laughs> Heat basketball game. And by not getting the details, I wound up saying, yeah, let's ride. You know, changed my whole schedule around and went ahead to the Heat game only to find out I was literally in the furthest seat back. Like, <laughs> literally, we were on the furthest back. Like, behind us was the wall, period. <laughs> that, the, 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 make sure you get the details before just jumping in. I always tell everybody, you know, take that leap, jump if you want to do something, you know, make <laughs> do it. But also make sure you get the details because you might find yourself in a situation where you all the way in the back and the wall is what is, is behind you. So get the details, fresh and biz this week, dropped in on y'all, like put out. Wow. So you uh so you said the players were looking like double dribble. <laughs> double dribble would have been better, man. It was like we, we were watching the ball go down into the basket, like down, down. We were above the the, the scoreboard. We had to look down to see the score. Way down. Wow. <laughs> like, they were playing the triple A, right? That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been there before, and I've had like super high up seats, and it it wasn't that bad. I don't believe, but maybe I was. Better watch that at home. Pointless trip. I'm not saying that the seats were bad in perspective of just like you know the view. Yes, you can see the whole court in all the stadium, all of the stadium. However, I'm just not the. I would rather watch it at home because you're gonna get a better view at home than the Ant-Man view that you're watching. <laughs> I just I just want to know why the people you went with don't listen to the podcast. There it is. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to them about that. Yeah, because you wouldn't have put them out there like that if they listened to the podcast every week. <laughs> yeah. oh, I still put them out there like that. I, I, we talked about it the whole time there. I told them I had to give me some gods for my uh, being in the nosebleed section. <laughs> I need something to, to get all this blood out my nose, man. I need. But at least, but at least, fresh. At least tell them why they got the tickets, though. That was the reason why they got the tickets, even exactly. though exactly. Really, it was for my godson. He, um, thank you, BJ. My godson did good in school, and he wound up getting tickets through school to be able to go to the game. And they had like a whole um, pep rally 
uh, during halftime and all that kind of good stuff. So really, the cause was amazing. However, the seats, <laughs> the seats. were. Sing about that. <laughs> <laughs> the wow! Gave me the view. <laughs> <laughs> Views were not amazing. Definitely, uh, yeah. There it is. Coach K, we on you, man. We started out this podcast talking about trigger warning. Sorry, Fresh, you missed it. And buying black, supporting black. And we, we I really just want to open it up to, that's not necessarily the message we want to you to carry away from listening to this episode. It's more so about how are you giving back? How are you helping to progress uh, your people, the people that supported you, the people that were your community? What are you doing? How are you investing in them so that they can be even better in the future? Because it seems like all we're doing is degrading. So how do we continue to build? How do we give back? And in doing that, I also want to touch on what we went to with Brett's grandfather. How are you making sure that everybody is exposed to the best version of you? Mm -hmm. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening here with us on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. The 13th floor. The 13th floor.